You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Continuing our series, part three of Songs of Summer. Um, We're going to speak on Psalm 1 today, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. But I just want to give you a little intro to the series. Uh, This is our third uh, week on it. Uh, And for those who are not familiar, uh, we are spending the summer, a few weeks here in the summer, in the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is a very uh, unique book in the Bible because it's, it's poetry, but also contains prophecy. It contains uh, some amazing uh, uh, texts of wisdom. And uh, if you don't know where the book of Psalms is, if you have a Bible, it's right in the middle of it. Like it's in the middle of the Bible. It's the largest book of the Bible. It has 150 chapters. And they all have a poetic flow to them. They're all poetic. Some of them are melodic. Most of them are songs. And each psalm will fit fit in either one of these three categories. It's either going to be a psalm of wisdom, a psalm of lament, or a psalm of praise. Every single psalm is either one of these three. Wisdom, lament, or praise. And Alini started the series two weeks ago. She did a great job. She shared a message on Psalm 23, which is a psalm of wisdom. And then last week, we shared Psalm 103 with you guys on the online service. And that was a psalm of praise. And today, like I said, we're going to continue to focus uh, on the psalms. And I'm going all the way back to the very first psalm, which is also a psalm of wisdom. And uh, if you have your Bibles open, uh, or your whether they shine or they fold like this one, just we're going to read it together. It's going to be on the screen as well. I'm reading from the ESV version. And if you want to read with me, you can read with me. You can follow along. Verse 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3 now. We're going to go to verse 3. He is like uh, a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Last verse. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What a powerful psalm. I grew up learning these psalms, reciting this psalm, and, and uh, understanding as a child this psalm. But as I grew up, as I matured, as life became more apparent, this psalm took on a new meaning. There's a few things very interesting in this psalm, but I want to highlight uh, kind of like the structure of this psalm. I find very interesting that this whole book of psalms begins with this one word that frames this chapter. The word is blessed. Blessed. Now this is an interesting word. It's a word that is found in the beginning, the middle, and the end of scriptures. And it's always connected to people. The Hebrew word for the word blessed is the word makarios. And it means to be called happy, to be called 
joyful. Every time you read that in the Bible, blessed, and God blessed him, or he was blessed, and he blessed him. It means he called him happy. Something happened that infused joy and, and, and happiness in that person's life. And this word defines so much of human interaction with God in the scriptures. From the beginning to the end. When God formed men and women in the scriptures, right be at the beginning in Genesis, the scripture says that God blessed them. It's the same word, the word makarios. God called them happy. He infused in them this sense of joy. When God made a covenant with Abraham, it says that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in him. When Jacob wrestled with God, with the angel of God, if you remember the story, it says, it says that he held on to the angel. He wrestled with it and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. When Jesus taught the famous Sermon on the Mount, he was teaching his people. He began by listing all the items, all the things where people would be blessed. Those who are blessed. Now we want to be blessed. It's something we pursue. We pursue the blessing. You might call it something else. But you're here today because you want to be blessed. What you do from Monday to Friday, a lot of your effort is because you want to be blessed. You want to have a blessed marriage. You want to have a blessed life. You want to have blessed kids, a blessed family. And this has been the pursuit of human beings. It's even recognized in our Declaration of Independence. The United States Declaration of Independence calls these un inalienable rights. We have an inalienable, inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What is that? The pursuit of happiness. They phrase it so interestingly. Now we know what life is. We know what liberty is. And the right to life and liberty can be taken away depending on your actions, right? The state will take it away. But the pursuit of happiness, it's ambiguous. It's left to interpretation. And I think that the framers of our, of our Declaration of Independence put that in there because it is recognizable that that is in every person's heart. Everyone wants happiness, joy. So in biblical terms, what that is is a pursuit of a blessed life. We want a blessed life. And this is a question that people have struggled with through every civilization. What makes it for a blessed life? What is needed for a blessed life? What kind of life is a happy, joyous life? Lots of money, lots of friendships, status, position, recognition, fame. What is it? Well, we've been in the search of it. This question is the question of our generation. We see it in movies. We see it in books. We see it in billboards. We see it in ads. We see it in, a, in a, all sorts of multiplicity of industries and services that promise this. You know, you go to this resort. Come to this resort and, and then you will be, you'll be happy. Visit this store. You'll be happy. Buy this product and you'll be happy. Use this app and you'll be happy. Enjoy this meal. You'll be happy. Try these brownies. You'll be happy, man. <laughs> Some of you are laughing too hard. Sounds like you've tried it. 
See, at the time when this psalm was written, despair, suffering, it was much greater because people lived by the sword. They couldn't call 911. There was no sense of protection for the public. A lot of the systems existed to protect the, the aristocrats, the people in power. And, and so people were left to fend for themselves when this psalm was written. And unjust gain was everywhere. People were living their lives trying to get ahead at the expense of others. Sounds familiar, right? Because that last part, you can, you can say, J.D., that sounds like today. Like a lot of people are just trying to get ahead at the expense of others. And I would agree because all of these promises, all of these things, they're really designed for profit, not for happiness. They're designed to try to get something from you and maybe provide some kind of experience that will bring some excitement to your life. But the bottom line, rarely is your happiness. See, we've come a long way as a society, in our ability to lift the outcast and give opportunities to those who didn't have any opportunity. But the question and the desire that are in the hearts of the people, in the hearts of your friends, your family members, in the hearts of those who don't know God, who are, who are you connected with, they want to be blessed. You want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed. People want to connect to this kind of life, a kind of life that's joyful, that's full of, of, of happiness. And how does one achieve it? How can somebody live this kind of life? The psalmist is trying to answer this question with clarity in this psalm. Who is blessed? He says, the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That person is blessed. The, plus, the person who stands not in the way of sinners. That person is blessed. The person who sits not in the seat of scoffers. Now you can, you can listen to this as the scriptures telling you what to do. Or as the psalmist writing it and saying, hey, this is what you should do. We shouldn't hang out with people who do wrong things. You shouldn't be influenced by people who do wrong things. Because, well, it's wrong. It's going to affect you. Or you can, you can read this as an observation. It could also be observational, as, as, though, as though the writer said, this is what I've observed. I've realized, looking at the world, that those who are blessed are the ones who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. In whatever case, it's important to realize that there is the first counsel here. The first part of the scripture that follows the word blessed has something to do with staying away with the influence and staying away from the influence of those who do wrong. Now, I want you to think with me, right? Because this is Sunday morning, beginning of the week. Yeah, I want you to put your thinking cap on because church is a place to think, right? Church is a place for us to engage our minds and, and think about life and think about our decisions and think about how we're living our lives and make better choices and connect to God and allow our lives to align to the Scriptures. So think about this. This book that is at the center of the Bible, full of wisdom, full of lament, full of praise, this book that has been the source of prayers in Jewish tradition, Jewish 
people who follow the scriptures, they have memorized the book of Psalms uh, uh, for ages, for millennia. And this is where they draw prayers from. For thousands of years this has happened. Jesus recited this, this book. Jesus prayed from this book. It begins with the word blessed. And at the outset, the first stanza of this beautiful poem, it implies that the person who wants to be blessed, the person who wants to be joyful, he needs, she needs a moral center. You need a moral center. Think about it. If blessed is the man, joyful is the person, happy is the woman, joyful is the man who walks not in the counsel with the wicked or sits in the seat of scoffers or, or stands in the way of sinners. If that's the person, you have to know what you're facing. You have to first know what wickedness is if you're going to identify somebody who's being wicked. You have to know what sin is. If you're going to be able to identify someone who is a sinner, you have to know what scoffing is. You have to know right from wrong. You have to know it. And you may say, J.D., that's pretty basic. Well, is it? Because define wrong. Define wrong. A common definition of wrong in the world today is that which causes a harm upon oneself or another. That which causes harm upon oneself or another. In other words, like, it's not wrong as long as you don't harm yourself or anybody else. Right? That's a common definition. Like, it's not wrong unless you harm yourself or somebody else. Well, define harm. What is harm? Are we talking about immediate harm, like today? It's going to hurt yourself today or... What if it doesn't harm you today? What if it harms you a year from now? Like that credit card purchase that felt so good at the time. And then months later, it was stealing your lunch money. Been there. Was that harmful? Or how about not reaching your highest potential because of uh, uh, you're hung up on a habit? Something that, that, that you, you, you think, well, it's, it's harmless. It's not really that bad. What was that harm? If, if, if you're not reaching your highest potential. How about the things that you didn't know? We can all look back in our lives and say, if I knew then what I know now, I would have done that differently. And parents in the room, I know that that's part of your parenting. Like, I don't want you to make the mistakes I've made. So glean from my wisdom. Because I didn't glean from my dad's wisdom or my mom's wisdom. Right? There's something generational there as well. If I knew then what I knew now, then I would be way ahead. Well, was that ignorance? Was the not knowing harmful? So if we, if we think that anything that harms us or harms others, is wrong. That list of what's wrong is way bigger than we usually, we usually think to be. It's not as small as we, as we think. And that's exactly how sin tries to sneak in in our lives. That's exactly how wickedness gets into the structures 
of our lives and our families. That's exactly how the seed of a scoffer is set up. See, wickedness is not just capital crime. We have been so bombarded by horrible headlines day in and day out that I believe our threshold for what is bad has gone, gotten way out of whack. And I'm encouraging you today to dial it, bring, glean from this psalm and dial it back. Bring it back to what it should be. I want to encourage you to bring it way back again because I, this is what I believe for you. You are not going to get back to your life, re-engage your life after a worldwide pandemic just to live in mediocrity. That's not God's will for your life. You're not going to take all the gifts and talents that God has given you and re-engage your life and bury those gifts, bury those talents, talents because you're, you're in a daily routine that is depressing and wicked and sinful. That's not what God wants for you. And in a very hard, difficult season that we have just gone through, the silver lining is that we have been given an opportunity to restart our habits, our lives, our relationships. And I believe that God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be called joyful. He wants you to be called happy. He wants you to have joy. He wants people to look at you and say, look at that man full of joy. Look at that woman full of joy. Look at that person filled with happiness. And that's what I want to see. That's what we want to see as a church. We want to see you guys blessed. But the reality is that there are a lot of scoffers in our circle. And I don't mean this to demean anybody. But you know what a scoffer is, right? A scoffer is somebody who has lost passion and has lost love for life. Somebody who has become a cynic. Somebody who looks at life and, and has lost faith, dismisses potential, and, and, and dismisses everything because they have lost that faith. It's not going to happen to us. Look at, look at us. Look at us. Look at what we're going through. It's never going to happen to us. That's a scoffer. You're not good enough. Have you seen yourself? Have you seen what you have done? Look at yourself. You can't do that. That's a scoffer. You're not going to lose that weight. You've been obese for 10 years. You're never going to get out of debt. You're way into deep, man. There's no way it's going to happen. This coffer. A church in Stanford? What? What are you thinking? Should have gone to Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's his coffer. And this psalm, this psalm is teaching us, it's bringing us back to the center that people who live like that, people who live with that mindset, they can't be happy. People who live by doing wicked things can't be happy. Because that kind of life does not bring joy. And if you sit in that seat, you won't be happy either. If you get in those circles, you won't be happy either. That's why you got to be able to recognize wickedness. That's why you got to have discernment. That's why you have to be able to know what sin is you got to be able to identify it. Otherwise, you might walk right into it, become a part of it, 
get caught up in it. And before you know it, you're walking, you're standing, and you're sitting with unhappy, mediocre people as one of them. Got to make a difference. Now, of course, the scriptures are not saying that you shouldn't associate or communicate with any of them. Because some of you are thinking, J.D., that's like half of my family. <laughs> that's like everybody at work. This is not to condemn people. This is not so you condemn people. Because a lot of people are living in that cycle because they don't have the light. They don't have the answer. They want to get out of it. They want to be blessed just like you. But we all get caught up in the difficulties and drama and, and, and things of life. They try to bring us down. And the answer is not that you're better than them. The answer is that we know a Savior. Is that we have been given a revelation. And, and instead of being overcome by their reality, we're supposed to bring the light into that reality. And be the light in their life. So this is not to condemn people to count them out or to look them down. Because this psalm is teaching us that if we live like them, if we cop copy their lives, if we, if we aspire to be like them, we won't be happy. That's simply it. You will not find joy. I will not find joy. You won't be blessed. None of us will be blessed if we live that way. And once we understand this very important principle, the rest of this psalm makes complete sense. It just falls right into place in our capacity to understand, in our capacity to make choices in life. Why? Because what does a blessed person do? So we know we got to stay away from that. What do we do? How do we engage life? Well, it said on verse 2, the blessed, the, the blessed person has his delight or her delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he or she meditates day and night. A joyful person delights in the law of the Lord. A joyful person makes God's law their compass. It's a person who draws their sense of right and wrong right from the law of God. That's the person who will find joy. That's the person who will find happiness. Because it's not a life restricted. It's a life directed. That's the kind of life that God is leading us toward. Because the law of God will not only guide you on those things that are obvious, that with practice you'll go like, yeah, of course this is wrong. Yeah, of course this is right. But it'll even guide you on the things that you're ignorant of. Things that you don't even know. Remember we were talking about? Like if I knew then what I know now, the Holy Spirit can guide you to make decisions that when you look back, you're like, I didn't know how good that decision was. But I thank God that God led me this way. Because if I had made that decision, I would have been in a world of trouble. Have you ever been there? When through prayer, through scriptures, you just had a sense in your heart, you had a sense in your spirit, I, I can't go down this path. I don't know what it is, but I just can't go down this path. It's going to be trouble. And that's exactly what happens. And you go like, I knew it. You didn't really know it, but you, know it. you knew it, right? You didn't know it, but you knew it. What's that? That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's God using the relationship that you're building through his law and you're able to recognize his voice this is what the psalmist is saying and you can test it for yourself you can test it for yourself look at the fruit look at the fruit of their lives look at the fruit 
The fruit is the lit- litmus test. It's the indicator. It says, blessed is the person. Because the blessed person is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and they prosper in all they do. That's how their life is going to be. And you can look at it. That's what happens. Look at them. That's what I believe that God wants to say of you, that people want to say of you. Look at them. They went through a pandemic, but somehow they got better. Look at them. They faced cancer, but somehow they faced it with a smile on their face. Look at them. Gas prices doubled, but they are unaffected. Look at them. The circumstances do not seem to affect their ability to bear fruit. The weather, the winds, the storms don't take away their capacity to bear fruit. Why? Because they are planted by the streams of water. They're connected to God. They're rooted in the scriptures. Their root is not wickedness. Their root is not sin. Their root is not the seed of scoffers. But They're coming into the presence of God through prayer, through scripture. They're connected to a church. They're being part of a service on Sunday morning. And God is blessing them day by day. And that's who I believe I'm looking at right now. Blessed people. People full of the life of God. Planted by the streams of water. Who choose God over everything else. That's you. That's you. People who are not divided by the politics of our time. That know that we are to love one another. People who are not entrenched in the wickedness of our age, the wickedness that divides people by race, class, sex, political party. That's evil. That's wickedness. But in Christ, we stand for unity. We, were, we are trees planted by, by streams of water. Genuine equality and justice for all people is found in God. It's not by chance that the psalmist picked the tree of life as an analogy. It's analogous to the, the, the passage in Genesis. We can go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 9 right now. It says this. And out of the ground the Lord God made spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil was there too. It's the same. The, the, the psalmist is, is gleaning from the creation story in this song. And just like in creation, we have the same level of freedom. That's what the psalmist is telling us. Because what makes you a person, what makes you an individual, is your freedom. You are free to do whatever you choose. You are free to give life. And you are free to take life. You are free to build up. And you are free to tear down. You are free to lift others. You are also free to crush them. You are free to defend the vulnerable. Or you are free to abuse the vulnerable. You are free to be honest. And you are free to be dishonest. And you are also free to suffer the consequences of your choices. Every single one of us, we are free to do that until we're no longer free. Because that's what a lot of the bad choices lead us to, a lack of freedom. See, Jesus taught the same principle. He updated the metaphor. Instead of talking about a tree, he talked about a house. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 27 through, uh, 24 through 27, he said this. 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded where? On the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Listen, you can choose. The choice is yours. You can choose to live like a a tree of life or you can choose to live like the chaff in Psalm 1. You can choose to live like the house on the rock, as Jesus said, or you can choose to live like the house on sand. Here's what's interesting about these two analogies. They too have an item that looks just like the other. See, a house built on the sand looks just like a house built on the rock. Outwardly, they look the same. Just like an Instagram post with pretty filters. Everybody's smiling and happy outwardly. But what happens when the storm comes? The wheat and the chaff look the same from afar. The wheat and the chaff look just alike. The difference is that the chaff is an empty shell. It's the empty shell without the wheat. It's empty, lifeless, has no purpose. It just looks like it is, but it's not. Have you ever, ever met anybody like that? It looks like, it, they look like they're happy. They look like they have it all together. They, but the chaff is saying nice things and not meaning them. The chaff is writing a check that you know nobody can cash. The chaff is keeping up appearances but living an empty life. It's meaningless. It doesn't last. See, if we're going to go through storms we're going to face them, if we're going to go through droughts, I pray that this is the last pandemic we ever go through. I pray it's the last. But if it's not, where are you going to stand? How are you going to endure? How are you building your life? Those of you watching, how are you building your life? Where are you building? What's your foundation? Are you going to be like the chaff or are you going to be like the tree of life? See, this ancient council written 3,000 years ago, it stands. The choice is yours. It's always yours. That's God's plan for you, that you make the choice. He's not going to come barging into your life. He's inviting you in. And you can do your homework. Don't take my word for it. Really don't. I know I share a message almost every week here with you. But don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Look at the fruit of your life. Look at the fruit of those around you. Look at the fruit of the life of those you're observing and you're living with. Examine the lives and the ideas and the principles of our culture. Examine the lives and the ideas and the principles of those who are trying to control the the wider, the wider rhetoric. And let the fruit of their lives reveal the root. We have people in our country that tell amazing stories through film, 
in, 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 in arts. But they still haven't figured out how to live life. And again, this is not a judgment on anybody. I'm telling you, we all are susceptible to failure. Freedom is fleeting. And what God is calling us is to, is to build our house on the rock. See, the foundation is what makes a difference. It's not the house. It's the foundation that makes a difference. And then you make your choice. You make your decision. I'll tell you this. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be here encouraging you. We're going to be here uh, because I, I believe that that's, that's, that's what you want too. That's what people want to live from the tree of life. And I believe that if you do that, if you make the decision to follow the, 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 the instructions of this song, you will be blessed. You'll be able to wake up in the morning and say, blessed is this man. Blessed is this woman. Blessed is this person right here. Because I have been walking with God. I've been, I've been setting my life on the foundation of his truth. And the winds are coming. And the storms are coming. But guess what? They're not affecting me because my roots are going deep into the streams of living water. And God is with me. If you do that, he will bless you. Do you receive it today? Amen. Amen.